Welcome to Continued, part of the teaching ministry here at Third Baptist Church. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, our aim in this time is to dig deeper from the sermon on Sunday morning, dig, digging deeper into the text, into exegetical issues, historical issues, contextual issues, whatever issues come up that we feel ought to be chased down a little bit further. My name is Adam. I'm also one of the pastors, and Keith and I are going to be having this conversation. So welcome to Continued. new heavens and new earth. It falls by the wayside without the physical resurrection of Christ because God made us to be physical. Because in heaven, we're not going to be these spiritual entities that, you know, can't hug each other, can't talk to each other, can't see, can't smell, can't taste. We're going to be experiencing life for all of eternity, how God made us in our physical bodies, doing all those things, touching each other, hugging each other, eating. We're going to be eating in heaven. That's going to be the, awesome. The, the cultural understanding of heaven is is floating on clouds and some ethereal kind of non-physical experience. And that's just not the picture we get in the Bible, is it? It's not. It's not. God is redeeming more than the souls of man. He's because, redeeming all of creation. And, and that's not what we see in the resurrection either. It's yeah. not a spiritual resurrection, but it is a intensely physical thing. Welcome to Continued. Uh, we're here today. Keith and I are going to be discussing some of the, uh, the content in Acts chapter 1 as we look even closer into the resurrection specifically. In Acts chapter 1, we, we see Luke's introduction, and, and in verse 1 through 3, Jesus is the main character. And we're going to be talking about his resurrection and how it just fueled the church, how it was the springboard for a, uh, a whole movement that started right there in Jerusalem. Uh, Keith, you, you were preaching this morning, and you talked a lot about the physical necessity. Why is that so important for the doctrine of the resurrection? Yeah. Um, Acts 1, verse 3, Luke says, After he'd suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. And, uh, and then as we covered in the sermon, we went back to several, actually several passages um, that outlined those one or two or three, 1 Corinthians 15, four times 500 of those times that Jesus appeared in convincing fashion. And so what we see in, in, in Luke, certainly, uh, at the end of the Gospel of John, recording Jesus' words, mm -hmm. we see that um, the, the, the physicalness of his resurrection was of utmost importance. Jesus is saying, come, touch me, you know, touch my, touch my, my hands, touch my side, see that it is me, that it is my body. Now, this body's different than our natural bodies, you know, he, yeah, he's able yeah. to appear in rooms that are <laughs> locked, so it's, and, and, and if we get there, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about that a little bit, that the glorified body's a little bit different. Having said that, though, he still is flesh and blood, he says that, flesh and bones, um, so obviously, this is, this is important for us to be solid on, and I mentioned, um, you know, about 100 years ago, as we entered into the modern period, um, in, entered into the, you know, we're, we're, we're modern men and women, we're rational men and women, we have science now that can tell us mm -hmm. things. Um, there, were, there was a group of people uh, who, who saw that and said, okay, we're, we're, we're Christians still. We want to expand this message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, but how can we make it acceptable 
uh, to the modern man because the modern man isn't gonna, going to accept these, you know, quotes here, air quotes, fairy tale-ish stories in the Bible. So one of those influential, uh, a German theologian named Rudolf Boltmann, uh, early 1900s, who he, he is what, if we, if we reflect on his work, he demythologized the New Testament, yeah. meaning that he... Now, yeah, yeah you, were, you didn't bring up Rudolf Boltmann in your sermon, but, yeah. but he was a major player in, in this kind of restructuring of theology yes. at that time, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was. He, he, he wanted to strip away all of the, uh, all of the miraculous, uh, you know, Jesus' miracles. Let's see what Jesus actually did as a real man. Mm-hmm. Let's, take, let's take these miracles out, and certainly let's take the resurrection out because the modern man is not going to accept that a man died and then he rose uh, from the grave. Yeah. So Boltmann was trying to make Christianity culturally acceptable for for his new era, this modern era that he was living in. Uh, would you agree with that? I would. Yes. And so he was but, trying to contextualize. We, yeah. I guess we yeah. could say. But using. we would say that he he went too far, and and by losing the physical nature of the resurrection. You lose the power yes. of, of that. But uh, do, we, do we need to contextualize? Do we need to understand the resurrection in our, our own day? How do we do that? Yeah, um, I, I certainly am a believer in contextualization. Adam, I yeah. think you would agree. We're yeah. you know, contextualizing the gospel. Um, but, you know, as we look back at, at some of these, and, the, and, you know, he's, he's not the only one that's done this. I mean, we, you know, we walk down the ages into modernism, postmodernism. Mm, exactly. Postmodernism is saying, um, we actually, we thought we could know everything. We actually can't know anything. Um, so uh, whatever your interpretation of the resurrection is, that's fine for you. You got there because of your presuppositions. Mine is from my presuppositions, so we'll just kind of agree to disagree. Um, so, so it's important to contextualize, but they went too far, and, and, and so far that uh, it's in direct opposition to the Scriptures. So we contextualize um, with, with the guardrails of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, and we walk down that path in the middle. And, and, and by the way, we see this today, right? We, we, you know, mainline denominations aren't necessarily denying the physical resurrection of Christ, but what are they doing? They're looking at the cultural norms, and they're asking the question, how can we make this message acceptable to them? Mm-hmm. Well, then we'll, we'll take this out. We'll take this out. Yeah, or, or maybe just ignore it. Or and ignore not, it. Yeah. not mention these things. It does come down to a question of authority. You know, who... Who is your authority? And if you allow culture to set the the guardrails, as opposed to scripture setting the guardrails, you're going to have totally different questions, totally different answers to those questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we always want to be reorienting orienting ourselves to what the Bible says is true. Yeah. As as opposed to letting the culture dictate what is true. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, Adam, I was thinking. This week, as I was preparing for this and thinking through, you know, those that have denied the physical resurrection, and looking at um, us, you know, we we would never we would never do that. We would never um, say, well, uh, you know, the culture won't accept it, so we're not going to say it. Um, you know, we're not going to go down the path of many, you know, mainline denominations throwing out massive truths of the Bible. But we are at risk to do something similar. Maybe not to the degree, but something similar. How, how do we engage the culture um, in such a manner 
that we are in it, we are um, with it, we are not isolating ourselves, uh, but we're also not becoming a part of it. And let me just throw a couple things out that... Um, and, and I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not sitting in judgment here. Certainly, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, the reason why I was thinking about this is because I'm thinking about my life and my, as, I, as I lead you know, my wife and my family. This is not the Bema seat right here. This is, this is a wooden seat, regular wooden seat. <laughs> That's, Adam, right. You, um, That's right. This is not the judgment seat, in other words. Paul says in Thessalon- at the end of 1 Thessalonians, abstain from every form of evil. Um, in other words, don't even, um, don't even uh, get it, put yourself in such a manner that you could be associated with it. Stay as far away from it as you can. First John chapter two says, "Do not love the world or the things of the world." Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just brought to attention some questions for me. What what shows am I watching? Um, and then you say, well. Um, if I'm not engaging in, you know, uh, the popular TV shows, then, you know, people are going to look at me like, oh, if I become a Christian, then I can't watch this or I can't watch this. Um, you know, what music am I listening to? Um, we could go down the list of, of how we flirt. Well, I, I need to watch this. So I can have conversations to with lost people. To understand the culture, yeah. like, yeah. oh, we need to be aware of what's going on yeah. around us. Are we at risk but sometimes does that open of, the door? Yeah, of ignoring, abstaining from every form of evil. Are we at risk at that? And I would say that we are. Um, so we, we've, as opposed to saying, how dare you do <laughs> that um, to be relevant, how are we also doing that? Yeah. Christianity a lot of times is known for what we don't do. Yeah. We're known for what we're against or what we oppose or rather yeah. than being known for what we do yeah. believe or what yeah. we should be doing, you know, we need to take a more proactive yeah. position. Yeah, that's right. And then letting those things, you know, um, be a matter of you know, Holy Spirit inside you and conscience. Um, you know, some for some people to watch a show, you know, may be sin for them. For others, it may not be, you know. That's true. Um, so, you know, not... Not blanket statement, <laughs> statementing, um, or saying none of us should ever do this ever. You know, as long as we're within the guardrails of and 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 those that may engage in something that others wouldn't are saying, yeah, I'm abstaining from every form of evil, um, but I am engaging the culture in this way. You know, whether I mean, uh, you know, drinking is a big conversation. You know, there's a group of people that say we can, you could never do that. Others say uh, there, it's not prohibited in the in, in the scripture. So why 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 put that? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that stamp that says we can't do it. And, and so just being I mean, in 50 years ago, it was playing cards or playing going cards. to the movies yeah. or dancing. I mean, these, these things have come up through time and, uh, and they're not outlined in Scripture. Yeah. They're, they're interpretations. They're applications to a particular context. Yeah, applications. That's good. Yeah. really what, what it is. I'm applying this in my life. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. But, but, they, but somebody else may. You know, in, so, in yeah, in, in our generation, how do we apply the scriptures in a faithful way to to our context? Yeah, and and how does the physical resurrection of Jesus remain a a central element? Of, of everything we're trying to do. Yeah, well, it must remain it a, central, yeah. a central element. It, it must. Um, and I, and I'll, I, I mentioned on Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians 15. Let me go there. Uh, and this reminds me, um, there, was a, there was a theologian, philosopher named Pascal. He's known for what's called Pascal's Wager. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, he's, and he basically said this, I'm going to believe in God because when I get to the end of my life and I, and, 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 and I die... And I see that God is there. I made a good wager. 
if he's not there and if he's not real, then what did I lose? That's basically what he's saying. So the good wager, wouldn't you say, was that, is that, a, is that a good way to, to frame yeah. it? And, and on the negative sense as well, that if you wager that God is not real, but then you find exactly. out that he was, the, the, the you price, have everything. The price is eternal. That's what exactly. he's saying, right? Yeah, so, so. so I'm going to believe in God because it's a much better wager. Because if he's not real, I don't lose anything. But if you flip it, mm-hmm. if, he, if, he, if you don't think he's real and he is real, you lose everything. You lose eternity, right? Well, I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I don't is because uh, the Apostle Paul seems to have a very different interpretation of faith in God. So 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? If there's no, listen to this, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we've testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And here it is, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Then those who've fallen asleep have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone, uh, which is... Uh, you know, uh, a little bit of a different tone than Pascal's wager. Um, we're 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 putting everything into uh, you know the existence of God and the actual resurrection of the Messiah. Yeah. If we don't have that, Paul says, we we lose everything. We should be pitied among among all people. He's saying, why am I? He basically says, why am I putting my life on the line for the gospel if the dead aren't raised? Um, we're, we're 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 of all those most. Without hope. Yeah. And Pascal's wager is a terrible evangelistic strategy because you can present that whole thing and you never mention Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't hinge on Jesus really rising from the dead. Yeah. And, and if you don't even need to mention Jesus' resurrection, can you really say that your faith is in Jesus? Yeah. I think Pascal's wager puts your faith more in probability. Yeah. You're just yeah. you're playing the odds. Yeah. And, and that is not our eternal hope. Our eternal hope has got to be in the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and his substitution for for me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah for That's us. Right. Yeah. And, you, you, Adam, you asked, is this, it is, but how is this central doctrine still important for us to hold at its highest level today? Um, I, I mentioned uh, that, you know, all of, uh, God's revelation rises and falls on the doctrine of the resurrection, and it, and it really does. The doctrine of creation falls by the wayside if we, if we lose the physical resurrection of Christ. The doctrine of the new creation, uh, the new heavens and the new earth at the end of Revelation falls if we lose, um, if we lose the physical resurrection of Christ. So because- what, is your, what is your connection? How are you connecting the resurrection to the doctrine of creation? Simply by this, the stuff of creation, God redeeming the stuff of creation, and the st- and his and his crowning jewel of the stuff of creation is man and woman, right? Yeah. Ma- uh, man and woman made in the image of God, and so Jesus' resurrection from the dead is 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 not isolated as some doctrine um, that we you know the Bible teaches. So we're going to hold to it. It connects to every atom on this planet, and every atom in the universe. His resurrection is connected to everything that is created yeah. ever. 
um, because with the physical resurrection of Christ, God is redeeming not just the souls of men. This is where I think, um, you know, uh, in, the, in some of the evangelistic uh, um, endeavors over the past hundred years, there's been an emphasis on the souls of men, soul-saving, mm-hmm. yes. saving souls. I've seen a bumper sticker that said, Save your soul. It's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's and, not correct and, theology. That's not. It's yeah. not, and that's connected to the resurrection. Yeah, uh, because yeah. because God is is redeeming all, mm-hmm. exactly. uh, and and the souls of men are important, but they're but they're like they're oh, they're, they're so intertwined, intertwined with yeah, the physicalness. With, exactly. Uh, because in the new okay, the new heavens and new earth, it falls by the wayside without the physical resurrection of Christ, because God made us to be uh, physical. Um, because in heaven, you know, we're not going to be these spiritual entities that, you know, can't hug each other, can't talk to each other, can't see, can't smell, can't taste. We're going to be experiencing life for all of eternity, how God made us in our physical bodies, doing all those things, touching each other, hugging each other, eating. We're going to be eating in heaven. That's going to be awesome. The, the cultural understanding of heaven is, is floating on clouds and some ethereal kind of, uh, non-physical experience, and that's just not the picture we get in the Bible, is it? It's not. It's not. God is redeeming more than the souls of man. He's redeeming all of creation. And and that's not what we see in the resurrection either. It's not a spiritual resurrection, but it is a intensely physical thing. Yeah. So intense that Jesus could say to Thomas, touch my scars, put your finger in my side, and I mean, what is Thomas's yeah. response? He's just like, my Lord, Lord my, my God. God. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. And, and then Jesus says, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, 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 and by the way, the, the, the glorified Jesus enjoys a good meal, you know, <laughs> and, and, the, know. and, the, and the, 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 the great supper of the lamb, you know, in heaven, we'll be, we'll be eating and drinking together, enjoying life as God made us, um, as, as, as physical and soulish beings. Yeah, you know? both. Yeah. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis that said we are, we are hybrids? We are both a physical creature, but we're also a spiritual creature. Uh, just drawing on that point that but there is more to each one of us. Every single person you see walking down the street is, is a physical person, but, but also an eternal being yeah. at the same moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, Adam, let me let me pose this to you. Um, for those that that may be out there who, who who may have, you know, have had conversations about the resurrection of Christ, mm-hmm. um, you've you've studied apologetics. What and, and apologetic? I mentioned that on Sunday morning. Um, uh, you know, the apologetic purpose of the Book of Acts that just simply means a defense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. How do we defend? Yeah, this? It's not. We're not saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry. for <laughs> no, my no, faith. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but to um, defend. Yeah. the Greek word apologia yeah. to defend. Exactly. Yeah. How? What are some core tenets of uh, from an apologetics from a defense standpoint of of the of the physical resurrection of Christ? What would you say for those who may be who may be in those conversations? Yeah. Uh, well, just three. I think, like you said, core tenets of the apologetics for resurrection would would be that the tomb was empty, um, and then number two, these post-resurrection appearances that you, you mentioned already in your sermon and, and earlier, and then also the transformation of the disciples and the birth of the church. So so what do I what do I get out of those things? So the first one, the tomb that was empty in Matthew chapter twenty eight. 
you see the Pharisees trying to come up with a counter story. Why was the tomb empty? Let's make up a counter story that the disciples stole the body while the guards were sleeping. Why would the Pharisees need to make up a counter story if the tomb wasn't right. empty? Because the right. Pharisees, they were the ones, if all they had to do was pr- produce the body and the whole movement would have been squashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the tomb was empty and that's affirmed in, in ancient Jewish literature. Uh, the, the literature at the time, Josephus, uh, he, he acknowledges that this movement started because of the claim of resurrection and that the tomb was empty and there was never a body found. So this is outside of the body, uh, excuse me, outside of the Bible um, evidence that the tomb was empty. Also, uh, I mentioned the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. You know, Jesus is appearing to groups of people, not just one-on-one, appearing to the disciples in a closed room, appearing to a group, walk, uh, two guys walking down the road. Uh, in the New Testament, there's at least 12 appearances that are uh, you could track down, even to the very first appearances to women. And so that was counter to the culture of that time. They weren't allowed to give testimony in court. They, that would have been a terrible first appearance. If you were making up the story of resurrection, you wouldn't have a woman be the first exactly. one. Um, and so we've got the empty tomb, the post-resurrection appearances, and, and also the utter transformation of the disciples after this. I mean, what were the disciples doing pre-resurrection? They were hiding they were scared. They were locking themselves in the room, wondering what was going to happen next. But then post-resurrection, what? They're bold. They're, they're taking the message into the streets. They are totally different men. And, and the birth of the church is rooted in this message that they said they have encountered the risen Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, apologetically, the disciples really believed it, right? They, yeah. they were willing to die for it. And people don't usually die for a lie. They, they really believed it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of good arguments, a lot of good lines of reasoning that point to Jesus' resurrection being the best answer for all these questions. You know, what do you do with the empty tomb? What do you do with the post-resurrection appearances? What do you do with the transformation of the disciples, the birth of the church? If Jesus wasn't raised, then this is all a lie. Yeah. And, and like Paul says, we're to be pitied because this, yeah. is, this is ridiculous if Jesus yeah. really didn't raise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of good ground to cover with the resurrection and a lot of important foundational beliefs that, that really connect to Jesus' yeah. resurrection. Yeah, good stuff. We were talking earlier about modernity and Rudolf Bultmann in the 1900s trying to make, it, make, it, make the resurrection more palatable mm-hmm. for, for the the logical person, the, the modern man. Um, but we don't just see theologians doing this. We also see pastors doing it. In the 20th century, you've got Harry Fosdick, yeah. and, and he's an American. He's, he's preaching, but, but he doesn't hold to a physical resurrection. Um, what, do you, what do you do with preachers who put the emphasis on the people rather than on the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, from a preaching and teaching standpoint, yeah. I think, uh, you know, Harry Emerson Fosdick, uh, you know, one of the most famous men in America. It's, it's funny, you look back at, uh, at American history, um, you know, back, you know, 
150 years ago, the most famous people in America were, were preachers. <laughs> you know, they didn't have they didn't have really movie stars back then. They were preachers. Um, <laughs> a little different than today. Yeah, times um, have changed. But but he he was he was one of these giants, um, and he. Um, what can really be said about him is he 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 had this line. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase. He basically said, "People, you know, uh, the people of the 20th century don't want to hear about the Jebusites." He, he said something like that. You know, in other words, don't give them the stuff that they they don't need. They don't want to hear about this stuff. What they need and what they want is what's going to help me today. So. His preaching would be considered uh, anthropocentric, which yeah. means man-centered. He begins with man and then, and then starts, you know, building what he's going to say, as opposed to theocentric or, or Christocentric, which begins with God and His Word, and then, um, you know, allowing the Scriptures to speak to the people, you know, through the Holy Spirit. So, um, I, you know, we would submit it's an error. Uh, to begin anthropocentrically, to okay, what what do people need? How can I tailor my message? This is so. This is almost like a group therapy, as opposed to uh, a word from God. Um, so I, I, I would say, and and you know, that's it's it's a danger for us, but we can also learn something. You know, we you know, it's important for us to take these guys and take the throw away the bad and throw it far away, but also <laughs> yeah. take what they were trying to do, but they did it wrongly. Um, he was focused on um, the people, you know, and, and, and um, you know, them improving, however he would articulate it, their walk with God, I don't know what he would say, but improving their lives, he would probably say. Um, so we, we also, as, as preachers, we, we begin, we're, we're theocentric preachers, we begin with God, everything yeah. starts with God uh, and his word, but we also need to be um, thinking of our people, you know, we need to know our people. Adam, you and I are pastors. We need to be shepherding our people, knowing our people. So our people are in our minds and our hearts as we're working through the scriptures um, so that we may, and the Holy Spirit may use us to speak to them, right? You had a great point in your sermon, and you talked about how our teaching and our doing have to be connected. Yeah. And, and our, our theology and our our works, they can't be two different categories, two different uh, yeah. lines of thinking, but they need to be just interwoven. And you see that in our text in Acts chapter 1. Yeah. Um, do you see Fosdick? He's missing out on that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he he he'd... would be of the side that says, let, let theology fall by the wayside, exactly. fall where it may. What matters is how we're helping people, you mm-hmm. know, and that's... Um, you know, in the midst of this, the social gospel movement, Walter Rauschenbusch, um, he saw, you know, the, the industrial revolution, the modernization of, of, of the big cities, you know, you've got, you've got people making, you know, millions of dollars, you know, (laughs) back to whatever it would be in that age. And then you've got people on the streets that have nothing. And he's saying, what, what, what are we doing about this? So he has the right, um, aim of we as Christians ought to be helping people, but he, but he, 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 you know, sort of contorts the gospel um, and says the gospel is about this as opposed to about God and what Christ has done. Um, and from that, here's, here's what I was saying, what I hope that I articulated well is because we hold to this doctrine of God and Christ and the Spirit and His Word, through, because we hold those things, what flows out of us are good works, because of what because of what God has done for us, what God has said, because we hold to those things, we do good for others. It will always happen 
th- those two things are always together. If we have right theology, we have we have right works. Yes, uh, those th- those two things are inseparable. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, yep. Luke opens his book with that exhortation. You know, he's he's right into Theophilus. You you did a good job this morning, uh, kind of describing who that might be. Um, but he says, "I wrote the first narrative about all that Jesus began to do and teach, yeah. and just that." That conjunction there, yeah. the word "and," it was it was just this solid cement conjunction. Yeah. It, these two were inseparable. Yeah, we and we and, see that in Jesus' and, life, and we've got to be doing the same every time we preach. It can't just be uh, heady knowledge, mm-hmm. but it's also got to transfer into realistic, practical life. Yeah. We're agreeing that the resurrection is affirmed. It's it's important. It's the bedrock of our faith. So what? practical implications does a resurrection have for for a regular guy a regular girl um living in uh our our day our context yeah well i'll, I'll start where paul does and it gives us hope the, that's the res- right the resurrection of christ gives us hope knowing that when we die it's not the end um and and that we have hope because he was raised so we will be raised in him secondly i would say it changes how we view the world because the resurrection of Christ, what we, what we see is God is redeeming all of creation. And that includes us as man and woman made in the image of God. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we view our bodies, changes how we view our families. Um, it, 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 just, it, it just changes how we view what God has given to us and that it is good. Um, and it's and it's good, and we know it's good because God has redeemed it. Um, what, what would you say? Yeah, I, I totally agree that because the resurrection of Jesus is historical fact, we see the value in our earthly bodies, um, and that this is not a value that just is given to us by our social construct. It's not a value that's rooted in our culture, but it's rooted in in God. That He put value on us on humanity in a physical sense as well. And, and so it's not just about how you look or popularity or knowing the right people or how much money you make, but it's enjoying God and, and, uh, and having a relationship with Him. And, and in, enjoying the good gifts yeah, that He's given yeah, to us. Yeah. You know, knowing that, that, that all good things come from the Father of lights, you know, yes. in James 1. Um, and and I, would, I would also add, you know, again, what, what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the resurrection of Christ, back to the first point, but following back in through it gives us hope. When we, so in, you know, in two ways, we look out into this world and we see that it is good, but it is deeply tainted. You know, and, and, and you know, these days with, with news that comes to our phones in, in nanoseconds, um, it would be easy for us to have a bleak outlook 
and say, is there anything good? Mm-hmm. There, there's so much evil out there, but there's coming a day when, all, when death and evil will be swallowed up in victory yeah. because the flesh and the, and the, the mind, body, soul of the Lord Jesus Christ was raised. Yep. And so we will be raised with him and all of creation will be redeemed. Yep, Jesus is the first fruits. First he, fruits, yeah. He, he's the first one raised. That's right. But that secures our hope for a future resurrection and yeah. for, for a whole redeeming of creation um, and that he is, he is the king. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion on a fantastic topic. We can never get far away from the resurrection. And as we look at more topics in in coming episodes, I'm sure the resurrection won't be far from it, will it? Yeah, I'm sure this will come up time and time again. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) You're right. Well, I look forward to talking with you more about about the different sermons we've got, as well as just the issues in culture and in theology and how all of it intersects with real life. Yeah, me too. Me too, Adam. Thanks for doing this, and God bless you all, and thanks for listening. Looking forward to this journey together.